Christian world. Will you help me welcome to Return Revival? In our opinion, the baddest preacher on the planet. Will you please welcome Pastor Robert Madhu? Anybody love Jesus in this place tonight? Come on, would you just open up your mouth and give them the best praise that you got? Come on, praise them like you're thankful that you still here, that you still stand. Come on, you know what the enemy tried to do to you this year. I tell you to open up your mouth on night three in expectation for what he's gonna do tonight. your neighbor just look at your neighbor say neighbor oh neighbor I've got expectation that tonight is my night come on find you another neighbor the one you completely ignored come on look at that other neighbor say other neighbor you my second option but I'm telling you God's got something in store for me tonight. Now go ahead and praise them like that thing has already come to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um, but don't get comfortable. You'll be back up again. Y'all have, have to give me a moment. Uh, Pastor Jason was so kind and to give that introduction, but can I tell you what an honor it is for me to be here tonight? Come on, I uh, I keep it 100. I I did I did some stalking before I came, and uh, thank God for the internet. And uh, and when I when I saw it was so clear and so evident the spirit of this house, and I connected with what God is doing here. You do know you're a part of a phenomenal church right now. I hope you know that. This is not ordinary church. This church where you can come in here and get a preview of what heaven looks like. This is not an ordinary church. This is the type of church that God is looking for in this season and this hour. It's my honor believe me when I say that it is my absolute honor and privilege to be here tonight and just to be in the house of God and see faces. You got to know I, I've been preaching to empty rooms and cameras and stuffed animals and <laughs> I'll preach to whatever I got to preach to but it's good to see some people in the house. Amen. And what this year I think has proven and what seasons of trial and challenge show you is what's essential. There's nothing like a challenge that lets you know what you really need. And I don't know about you. I can I can do without a barber. I want a good barber, but I can do without a good barber. I can I can do without a good dentist. I want a good dentist. I can do without a good plumber, but I cannot do without a good church. I need the house of God. And, uh, this is essential. The house of God is essential, and 
So I thank God for the opportunity to be here tonight. I also want to thank God for your pastors. This has been a challenging season for pastors to lead. And uh, Dr. King said that the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where you stand in moments of challenge and controversy. And you ought to thank God that in a pandemic and all that's going on, that God's blessed and graced you with incredible pastors and leaders. And Pastor Jason and his wife, Katie, come on, who've been faithful this whole season, preaching outside, inside, come on. Would you let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them? Y'all are awesome. Thank God for you. And the moment I walked in, I was greeted by the great first lady of this house and Bishop, such an honor. Come on, 37 years of what was founded and built upon. You are true legends and true heroes. So I thank God for you. We stand on the shoulders of the giants that have gone before us. And that's why I brought the real anointing to San Antonio. My father's here with me, Robert Madu Sr. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. And... Uh, you never heard me preach before I often say you know my dad is the reason that I'm African-American now like I'm for real African-American like like you should take a picture okay because my father he's from Nigeria uh, he came to America like Eddie Murphy in the movie and uh, he met my mom who's American so you know when your daddy's African and your mama's American that makes you y'all the smart class I'm African-American so did this American me talking? I could switch over to African at any moment. Any moment. Y'all don't believe me. It is so good to be here at Christian World. Oh, God is going to do something tonight on this third night. If you believe it, say amen. I told you. I told you. African American. I can vacillate <laughs> between the two. But uh, we're going to have fun tonight. We're going to have fun tonight. Uh, but there's also... There's also a word in the house. I bring you greetings um, from uh, the great country of Texas. I live here with you. I'm right down the street in Dallas. And uh, have the incredible privilege to serve at Trinity Church there. And uh, married to the finest woman on the planet, Taylor Madu. And uh, we just celebrated eight years of marriage last week. And we got three little humans. This is my family, y'all. Come on. This is what I left to be with y'all tonight. That is the Madu crew. That's my oldest right there in the middle. Her name is Everly Adair. I call her Evie Girl. That is my man child. My wife is holding right there, Robert Madu third, my namesake. And then the youngest and the one that needs serious prayer and intercession, <laughs> Remington Elaine. That's a Remy girl. I call her Remy Ma. That's the Madu crew. So it's my first time here. I wanted to show y'all my family. And let you know I'm now a part of the family. But uh, I, I, there's a word. There's a word in the house tonight. Um, in this season, we need good news. Uh, we've been inundated with so much bad news. And thank God that the gospel is good news. And uh, I know Pastor Jason brought a phenomenal word. And my Latino brother from another mother, Pastor Sammy, preached the house down last night. Bring me the ephah. There's a word that I want to add to close this out. Would you stand with me to honor the reading of God's word? 
I want to look at the gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 5. And I want to illuminate for our understanding verses 21 through 43. Mark chapter 5. We'll start at verse number 21. We'll land at verse number 43. Quite a bit of scripture, but in 2020, you ought to take your Bible reading to a whole nother level. <laughs> so we're going to read all of it. Mark chapter 5, start at verse 21. We'll land at verse number 43. While you're getting ready to read it on your iPad or your Bible or on the screen. How many of you never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand if you never heard me preach before? Oh, Lord, that's almost everybody. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I am, I don't have to tell y'all this here, but I am a hollerback preacher. You know that, right? So it's illegal for you just sit there and go. While I'm preaching, if you're feeling what I'm saying, uh, you can say amen. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus he fell at his feet he pleaded earnestly with him my little daughter is dying please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live so Jesus went with him a large crowd followed and pressed around him ignoring all social distancing orders and a woman was there a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you're going to sit up here and ask, Who touched me? <laughs> Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, another version says, ignoring what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? That girl ain't dead. Just asleep. They did what you did. They laughed at him. It says, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and then told them, don't just stand there and look at the girl. Go to Chick-fil-A and get her something to eat. Come on, somebody. That, that's good stuff. It's good all by itself. And, and I uh, have to be honest with you. I, uh, 
I almost titled this message tonight, I almost titled this message, Get Up. Get Up. Because that would be a good sermon, that would be a good message. Because I thought that the climax of the miracle was Jesus telling this little girl who everybody had concluded was dead to get up. I thought that was the power of the miracle. Upon further reflection, I realized that Get Up is a premature title simply because of verse 40 in Mark chapter 5, verse 4. Can we look at that real quick? Just Mark chapter 5, verse 40. Because remember, Jesus walks in to what is essentially a funeral and said, that girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And when he said that, it says, but they laughed. At him. They laughed. They laughed. They laughed. Who is the they? The negative Doubting, unbelieving, faithless, negative people that said, all oh, this year is over. I can't wait till 20. The negative people who had concluded it was already done. That's the they. That's who left. That's who the they is. You ever met those people that light up a room when they walk out? <laughs> Don't point at anybody. Those people that for every solution, they will find a problem. They were negative before the pandemic. They negative in the pandemic. That, that's the day that laughed. Keep it up there. It says they laughed. And then this is what I love. It says after he, that's Jesus, put them all out. <laughs> he put, that's Jesus. In fact, the Greek suggests that he physically Put them out the room. See, you don't like that. You don't like that because some of you think your God is just kind and sweet and loving and caring and he's a good, good father. And he is, but this scripture lets me know, do not get it twisted. He is so, so gangster because all of those negative, doubting, unbelieving people who are messing up the atmosphere of revival, of restoration, of regeneration, of the miracles, he said, all y'all got to get Get out! Get out. You ain't got to go home, but get out of here. And then, hear me, once they got out, then he goes to the little girl and says, get out. What if the power of a miracle is not just in the miracle itself, but rather in the atmosphere and the environment that surrounds your miracle? Hear me tonight. Could it be possible, even plausible, that in this season you've been looking at things telling them to get up? But this is actually the year to analyze your environment and start telling some things to get out. Get out. Get out. That's what I want to preach on the last night of Return Revival. Would you look at at least three people and just say, get out, get out. Get out, get out, get out, get out. I don't need negativity in my year. Get, get out. That's, that's, that's what I want to preach about today. Would you stay standing? I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into this. It's going to be a long prayer. Father, speak to us tonight. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> presence of the Lord. Get, get out. Get out. 
Christian world, the divine intersection and really just collision of characters in this text today immediately gave me a nostalgic, parental, fatherhood flashback to November 2014. I remember it quite vividly because I was getting ready to leave our home in Dallas, Texas to go preach at a conference, which isn't anything unusual. I often leave to go preach at a conference, except this time, everything was different. Everything was different. Everything was different because this time I was leaving the house, not just as a husband, I was leaving the house as a father. My firstborn daughter, the little girl who was in the middle, had just entered the world. And I was in that emotional disposition of leaving my firstborn daughter for the very first time. Now, every parent here will attest to the fact that things are just different with your first child. Oh, come on, there are things that happen with your first child that none of your other children will experience, okay? <laughs> like now, now we have three kids plus a demonic dog. So <laughs> when I leave the house now, I leave like I got warrants for my arrest. <laughs> and I take the long scenic route home. <laughs> but, but when it's your first child, you're emotional. You're emotional. So I was emotional, to say the least. Tears are going this way. Snot's going the other way. I mean, I'm looking at my baby girl. I'm like, I love you so much. I was going to preach one night in Florida. You would have thought I was going to fight in war for 15 years. I was like, I love you so much. I'll be back. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. I mean, I was, I was a mess. It was an absolute mess. I, uh, get to the conference. I get to the conference that night. I'm still emotional when I walked in the service and a guy by the name of Eddie James is leading worship. And of all songs, of all songs, he's actually singing, you're a good, good father. As soon as I heard father, it set off a trigger. I was like, no, I'm not, Eddie. No, I'm not. It's just a mess. And I don't even think I preached that night. I just put up a picture of my daughters at that's point one, two, and three. And finished the meeting and the service and was in the green room afterwards. And Eddie James comes up to me and he says, Robert, congrats on your daughter. She's beautiful. I said, thank you. I made her. <laughs> and then said, uh, hey, Eddie, you know, my daughter Evie might not have ever been born if it wasn't for you. Eddie looked at me like I had lost my mind. I said, Eddie, you probably don't remember this, but in December 2006, you were scheduled to lead worship and preach at Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas. But en route to Dallas, your van broke down on the side of the road. Eddie goes, I remember that night. I said, Eddie, you picked up your phone and you called a man by the name of Adam McCain. And you let him know that by the time your van would be fixed, there was no way you would make the service. So regrettably, you had to cancel. Adam McCain got off the phone with you and looked at a room full of people and said, Eddie James just canceled for our Tuesday night student chapel. Who in the world are we going to get to fill his spot last minute? In that room was a man by the name of Brian Mean. He lifts up his hand and says, hey, I just heard this young man named Robert Madu preach. He's local here in Dallas. Maybe he can do it. All of a sudden, my phone rings and the voice on the other line says, is this Pastor Robert Madu? I dropped my voice real low and said, why, yes, it is. 
He said, uh, I, uh, I know this is last minute. I know this is crazy, but uh, we just had a cancellation for our Tuesday night student chapel. Is there any way you would be available to come and preach at Christ for the Nations? Now, mind you, at the time, I myself am a Bible college student at Southwestern Assemblies of God University, and he's asking me to come preach to Bible college students. He said, am I available? I said to him, you know what? It seems like yesterday I was a Bible college student myself. <laughs> what an honor it would be to come in part to your young people. Drove from my university to Christ for the Nations Institute. I'm about to get up and preach. But before I get up, they say, it's Tuesday night, so it's time for our testimony video. We're going to show a video of a student here in our body whose life has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden on the screen, I see the finest girl with the strongest Southern accent I've ever heard in my life. And she starts telling her story of Jesus changing her life. I don't meet the girl. I preach that night. I'm at my university the next day walking down the hallway. A girl taps me on my shoulder and goes, hey, Robert. I said, it's Pastor Robert Madu." Now, she goes, was that you that I saw last night at Christ for the Nations Institute getting ready to preach? I said, yeah, they called me last minute. They had a cancellation. She said, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Did you see the girl on the screen giving her testimony before you got up and preached? I said, yes, I did. She said, I've known that girl for years. I've known you for years. And I always thought that you two would be perfect for each other. She said, but I never said anything. But the fact that you were there preaching and they showed her video, you two have got to me. The next week, that girl and I went on our very first date at the illustrious International House of Pancakes. I said, Eddie, to make a long story short, that girl's name was Taylor Mitchell. It's now Taylor Madu. We did what married people do. Evie is the evidence of that. Eddie, I am so glad your van broke down on the side of the road that day. <laughs> and I share that story tonight First of all, to say I'm supposed to be here. But I also shared that story to say, who in the world would have ever thought that Eddie and my Evie were connected? Because their connection is not one that is easily seen on the surface. It's not until you peel back the layers and dig down deep into the archaeological value of a person that it becomes so clear that none of us get to really live our lives in autonomy and isolation. But the reality is, is every single one of us are connected. Oh yes, we are connected. In fact, if 2020 hadn't showed you anything, it's that every single one of us are deeply and in intrinsically connected miracles merge with miracles testimonies have a way of touching each other how many know the breakthrough you getting tonight is not just for you it's for people that are connected to you it's for generations that are coming after you because we are all connected oh you might not like the person sitting on your row but you are connected 
our lives are not straight lines. Our lives are actually links because all of us in humanity are deeply connected. And doesn't it frustrate you? Doesn't it annoy you when people you love don't understand this fundamental premise that we are connected and they got the nerve and the audacity to tell you, well, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me, okay? Just do you and I'ma do me. Do you and I'ma do me. And you want to look at that person you love and go, well, you doing you is affecting me because all of us are deeply we're connected. We are connected. Be careful who you dismiss in this season because we are connected. Be careful who you talk about in this season because we are connected. So I don't find it strange in Mark chapter 5. I'm going to preach in Mark chapter 5. Mark begins by talking about this synagogue leader by the name of Jairus. But then in the middle of Jairus' story, we're abruptly interrupted with the story of a woman with an issue of blood. And the reason that Mark has sandwiched these two stories together is because the two of them are connected. They are so connected. In fact, to talk about Jairus, the synagogue leader, and to never discuss the woman with an issue of blood is really to do an injustice to the integrity of this text because the two of them are connected. Oh, now, not on the surface. Ooh, not on the surface of their life. If you look at the surface, they could not be more opposite. Oh, come on. If you look at the surface, one of these things is not like the other. Oh, come on. Let's just start with biology 101. Jairus is a man. She is a woman. They are different. <laughs> come on. Jairus is named in the text. The Bible doesn't even tell us this woman's name. Jairus is a prestigious ruler in the Jewish synagogue, but this woman can't even come near the synagogue because her sickness has made her ceremonially unclean. The culture would suggest that Jairus is affluent. He's got some money in the bank, but this woman is broke, busted, and disgusted, and has spent all she had on worthless physicians who have actually made her worse instead of better. Let me bring the text to the 21st century. Jairus is driving a Benz. This woman is riding the bus. Jairus is a Spurs fan. This woman is a Mavericks fan. They have absolutely nothing in common. They are complete opposites. They have nothing in common on the surface, but yet life, life has now put them in the exact same place, in the exact same posture, in the exact same position, because they both have been hit with something they knew they could not handle. Oh, how many you know life will do that? Life has a way of evening the playing field. Come on, life will hit you with some stuff that your money can't fix, your friends can't fix, your Instagram fans can't fix, your Facebook friends can't fix. Life will hit you with some stuff that your degrees can't fix. Come on, that's what this season has done. It has hit the world with things that our own ingenuity and our own wisdom cannot fix. Life has a way of taking your breath away. And might I suggest tonight that if life has hit you with something you know you cannot handle, how many know that thing is a job for Jesus? That's time for you to just throw up your hands and say, God, I don't know what to do about this, but surely you know what to do about it. Oh, look at Jairus and this woman. Nothing in common on the peripheral, but they both ended up in the same place having to push people out the way. 
to get an appointment with Jesus. Oh, can I just work this text just a little bit? I love this. I love that neither one of them, don't miss this, had a pretty pathway with rose petals to Jesus. No, they both had to push people out the way and do something they had never done before to get something they never received. How many you know this is the year to stop trying to be cute to get the miracle that you need? This is the year you're going to have to push some people. You're going to have to push some minds. Mindsets. You're going to have to push some things in your past. You're going to have to push some exes out of the way and say, God, whatever I got to do to get a breakthrough this year, I am willing to do it. I got to push some Both of them had to push. She's not even supposed to be in public touching people, but she touched everybody that day. She said, I don't have time for protocol. I am desperate to get something from God I've never gotten before. You know why they're pushing? They're pushing because desperate people do desperate things. Oh, come on, how many know when you're desperate for a miracle, you approach God differently? Come on, when you are really desperate for God to show up in your life, you don't treat him casually. Come on, isn't that what this year has done? Some of y'all used to say, oh, I don't know if I go to church. Now when there was a shutdown, you'll say, I was glad when they said unto me, I will go into the house of the Lord. Some of y'all didn't want to open up your Bible, but all of a sudden with what we've been hit with, you'll say, I read Leviticus or whatever I got to read because I'm dead. Something about desperation. Desperation, hear me, will open up doors that complacency will keep shut. There is something about desperation. There's something that opens up doors when you say, God, I am tired of being complacent and going through the motions, but I am desperate for you to do something in my life. And it was the rolling tides of desperation that brought Jairus, please don't miss this, and this woman, both at the feet of Jesus. I love it. I love it because they had nothing in common on the surface, yet they both ended up at the same spot, at his feet. This is a picture of the power of the church and how we must come together, that we can come into the house of God with all of our surface level differences, but yet we all end up at the exact same place and the exact same position at the feet of Jesus, desperate for him to do something that only he can do. They had differences on the surface. Both ended up at his feet. It was the rolling tides of desperation that brought Jairus and this woman at the feet of Jesus. Can I go deeper? Because I would love to delve into the details of their desperation. Because Jairus, don't miss this, he gets to Jesus first. And boy, is he desperate. He's desperate because his baby girl, his little girl is dying. Don't miss that. She is dying. So when he approaches Jesus, he's not casually approaching Jesus saying, hey, have you got some time? Maybe you can come by the house. No. He is approaching Jesus with the vocal intonation of a 911 caller saying, Jesus, you got to come to the house and you got to come right now. He's desperate. This woman is just as desperate. But her situation has been going on for a while now. 
this hemorrhaging, this bleeding that's been occurring in her body. Have you ever had something just going on for so long? It has been going on for a while, but she is still just as desperate as Jairus, even though his situation is more immediate. And watch how much Mark wants us to know that the two of them are connected. Because it just so happens that Jairus' little girl who is dying is 12 years old. And this woman that's been dealing with an issue of blood has been dealing with it now for blood. They are connected. So you got a 12-year-old dying daughter and you got a 12-year-old disease. Come on, church. That just means, chronologically speaking, the same year that this little girl was born was the exact same year that this woman was diagnosed with her disease. Oh, let me see if I can make it real. That means, cinematically speaking, if Mark chapter 5 was a movie and the producers of This Is Us were making a movie. Oh, come on. This is the scene in the movie where it would flash from the hem of Jesus' robe to a hospital. And the screen would say 12 years earlier. And walking out of that hospital would be Jairus, his wife, and them holding a brand new baby girl, smiling with that goofy new parent grin. Then walking out of the same hospital is a woman, tears coming down her face because she's just been diagnosed with a disease and the doctors don't know what to do about it. And just maybe they were in the same hospital that day, but didn't even see each other. Come on, isn't that just like life? I found sometimes you can be so preoccupied with your promise are so preoccupied with your personal pain that you are oblivious to the people around you. Come on, sometimes you can be so busy jumping and shouting over what God has done or weeping and crying over what hasn't come to pass yet that you are oblivious to other people around you. Come on, other people that God has actually put in your life for you to minister to, for you to be a blessing to. And in this narcissistic, individualistic, selfie-saturated, me first Christianity that we have. We've forgotten what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, that you got to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Come on, somebody. It's not just about you. It's about other people that God has put around you. And we have lost the art of empathy in this season because everybody is concerned with me, myself, and I. But thank God for Jesus because the two twelves that didn't see each other at the hospital are now forced to see each other at the hem of his garment. And now the 12-year-old issues are touching. Who just somebody say 12. Come on, say it like you got some power. Say 12. Come on, say it like you want to wake somebody up that's watching online. Say 12. 12. How many of you know, you don't need a Bible college degree. Uh, you don't need to be a student in biblical numerology to know that there are some numbers in the Bible that God has given you biblical blues clues that these numbers are a big deal, okay? 12 is one of those numbers. 12 is a big number to God. Come on, you remember that when God began his covenant with his people, a covenant that began with a call of Abraham. Abraham, who had a son, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had not one, not five, not ten, but 12 sons. Those 12 sons were 
reminiscent of the covenant and the power and the authority of God calling Abraham. Those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel, representing the power and the covenant and the authority of that nation. Come on, you remember in the Old Testament, whenever the high priest would step into the Holy of Holies, he didn't walk in with skinny jeans and Yeezys, but he had a breastplate that had 12 precious stones, and those 12 precious stones represented those 12 tribes of Israel, and he would stand there as the high priest having authority. That's too much Old Testament. Some of y'all getting bored. Fast forward to the New Testament. Come on, you know our New Testament high priest who is Jesus. The first time we see Jesus teaching in the temple is at the age of oh, and they marveled at the wisdom and the power and the authority that came out of a 12-year-old. Come on, you remember when that 12-year-old turned 30 and he got ready to pick his crew, his roll dogs. If it was me, I would have stopped at 11. But not Jesus. He said, I need a hater too. Come on, Judas. And he picked 12 dudes to roam the earth with them and gave all 12 of them power to heal the sick and raise the dead and tread on serpents. 12. 12 is the number of his power. Hear me, 12 is the number of his authority. That's what the 12 speaks to. It speaks to his authority. Would you just say this? Say authority. authority. Oh, say it like you got some. Say authority. authority. But why is authority important? Authority is important because it is your awareness of God's authority that will determine how much you receive from God. Please don't miss this. This is my whole message in a sentence right there. It is your awareness of God's authority in your life that will determine how much you receive from him. See, often we look at a passage like this. Can I just teach for a minute? We look at a passage like this and we reduce it to faith because he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. And don't get me wrong. Faith is important. Oh, come on. You need faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is our anchor. But nobody takes an anchor and just throws it in the water. If you do, you're going to lose that anchor. You better connect and tie that anchor to something. And my faith is connected, watch this, to his authority. The authority of his word. The authority of his power. The authority of what he said. When you know that God is the ultimate authority, that's when miracles will break forth in your life. When you know that not the CDC or NBC or ABC or HIJK Elemental P has the final authority, but God has the final authority, that's when the manifest presence of God will show up in your life like never before. It's about authority. Somebody say authority. authority. This whole year is showing you who has authority. You do know corona means crown. And I think God is trying to wake some people up. He did not cause this pandemic, but please believe he is using this pandemic to get some of us believers to wake up and to know who's sitting on the throne and who has real power and who has the authority. Authority. Twelve is the number of authority. If you don't believe God is the ultimate authority, then your faith is going to struggle. Because hear me, your faith and his authority are connected. 
If you don't believe God is the ultimate authority, then your faith is always going to struggle because your faith and his authority are some of you are like, don't believe me. You have to give us some scriptures. I'll give you a scripture for it, okay? You remember the disciples? Remember the disciples? Remember they're on the boat? The disciples are on the boat, and the winds and the waves are going crazy. It is a hurricane, and Jesus is chillaxing in the boat. Mark says, on a pillow, just sound asleep on the boat. And all of a sudden, the disciples are having a panic attack. They're like, ah! Like everybody right now, they're getting all the toilet tissue out of Walmart just going crazy. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see this? And Jesus, cool, calm, and collected, doesn't even break a sweat in the middle of a hurricane, <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic, just goes up to the edge of the boat and goes, peace. Be still. And immediately, the wind and the waves and everything is calm. And the disciples' jaws are on the floor. And they go, who is this man? No, for real, who is this man? That even the winds and the waves obey him. They marveled, watch this. They marveled at his authority. And what did he say back to them? Oh, you of little know why you had little faith because you didn't have an awareness of my authority you didn't know who I really was because if you knew who I really was if you knew who was on your boat you should have looked at me when I was asleep on the boat and said who is this man that is sleeping and snoring in the middle of a hurricane look if this storm ain't bothering him it ain't gonna bother me scoot over Jesus let me just cuddle with you because if you ain't stressing about it you must know in the end I'm gonna make it in the end I'm gonna get to the other side I need somebody to give God some praise. If you know you're going to be better after this year is over because of who's on the boat with you. Hallelujah. I'm not stressing. I'm sleeping because I know who's on the boat with me. Your faith and his authority are connected. This is why I had to preach this message tonight. Because some of you, watch this, you think you got a faith problem. You don't. Your faith is good. You got an awareness of his authority problem. You know you don't need a lot of faith. All it takes is mustard seed faith. And we got so many believers who think, well, yeah, I hadn't got my breakthrough because I don't have enough faith. No, yeah, that's why I didn't get it, girl. No, it's fine. I got to wait for my faith to get bigger. No, your faith is good. Your problem is you don't have an awareness of his authority. Because when you know who has the ultimate authority, when you know who is in control, then your faith can go to a whole nother level. Because your faith and his authority are connected this might be the most important message you ever hear not because I'm preaching it but simply because if you don't believe somebody's the ultimate authority 
you're going to doubt the validity of their words. If I don't believe you're the real authority, I'm going to doubt the validity of your words. And so no wonder we don't really trust his word. It's because some of us deep down inside, when life hits us, we doubt his authority. But I'm telling you, your faith and his authority are connected. They are connected. If you don't believe somebody is the ultimate authority, you're going to doubt the validity of their words. Okay, you, you, I'll never forget. You ever been like at a restaurant and, uh, uh, and, or maybe at a place of business and you knew you were not talking to the person <laughs> that had the authority? <laughs> It just, just, and not, not only that, they don't have good customer service. And, and, and some of y'all super safe, you don't do this. But if, if, if it's me, I, I got to talk to the guy. I was like, can I speak to a manager? Can I speak to a supervisor? Because I want to talk to the person that can change the situation. Some of y'all don't do this. Some of y'all don't do this. Y'all super safe. I'm not rude, but I just want to talk to the person that has the authority. This happened to me not too long ago. I had, I had a reservation at a hotel that had been booked for several months, several months. And the girl behind the desk, bless her heart, uh, she said, uh, she said, um, is it Mr. Maydu? I said, yeah, uh-huh. She said, yeah, I don't see your reservation. We are fully committed. We are fully committed. I said, well, it's been booked for a while now. She said, Maydu. Let me see. She said, no, uh-uh, I, don't, I don't see it. And we don't have a single room left. We are fully booked. So I wasn't rude about it. I said, can I please speak to your manager? Can I speak maybe? to a supervisor or somebody else. She said, well, I can get the manager, but it's not going to do anything because I don't see your name in the reservation. And we are fully booked. We don't have a single room left. She goes and gets the manager. The manager comes back out. She goes, oh, hello, Mr. Madu. It's good to see you again. Girl, move. I'm so sorry. She's new. She's in training. Let me see. Oh, here's your reservation. I found it right here. In fact, for all your trouble, would it be okay if I upgraded your room to the executive suite? How did I go from about to be on the street to the executive suite? You know why? The person that had the authority knew which button to push. Some of you need to lift up your hands and talk to the one that has authority to change the situation. You've been talking to the wrong people. Hallelujah. Somebody give God 10 seconds of the best praise that you got. If you know he's got the authority. Oh, come on and open up your mouth like you know who has the real power, the real authority. Hallelujah! Your faith and his authority are connected. All I came to tell you tonight is in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of racial injustice, in the midst of political contention, economic calamity don't you forget who has the authority don't you forget who sits on the circle of the earth heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool you connect your faith to his authority when you talk to the supervisor that's all this woman did. 
This woman goes, for 12 years, I've been speaking to mid-level employees. That's all she did. She said, I demand an appointment with the supervisor. She touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says immediately her bleeding stopped. Immediately. Immediately. Now, that's where I could end this message. Have them play real soft. <laughs> but I can't stop the message there. Because don't forget that this woman and Jairus are connected. And her healing, as incredible as it was, it was an interruption to Jesus' journey to Jairus' house. Oh, come on. Don't forget who got to Jesus first. Jairus did. As a matter of fact, I can see exactly how it went down. You know, Jairus, he's a ruler in the synagogue. I can see him. You know, he runs up to Jesus. He's pushing people out the way. He said, Jesus, please, please, please. My baby girl, my baby girl, she's dying. Please, can you come to the house, please? Jesus says, yes, I'll go. Can you imagine the joy that hit Jairus' heart when Jesus said, I'll go to your house? Don't forget, he's got a challenge because there's a huge crowd there that day. There is no social distancing. This is a massive crowd. Every time Jesus opened up his mouth, thousands of people would show up. There is a huge crowd. So the challenge of Jairus is to maneuver himself and Jesus through the crowd to get to the house. And don't forget, she is dying. So time is of the essence. They don't have time to wait. So I can see how it went down. He's going through the crowd. He's making sure Jesus is following him. Come on, Jesus. Okay, yeah, this way. Come on, follow me. Excuse us. Excuse us. Move. Excuse us. Excuse us. Excuse us. Excuse us. No, I got to him first. Come on, Jesus. Excuse us. Excuse us. Excuse us. Move. Excuse me. Move. Push. Move. Push out the way he checks back. Okay, come on, follow me. Excuse us. Excuse us. Excuse us. And all of a sudden, the text subliminally suggests that he looks back and he loses Jesus in the crowd. Where is he at? Move. I told him this is an emergency. And all of a sudden, he sees Jesus stopped in the crowd talking about. <laughs> Who touched me? Jesus is like, are you serious right now? I just told you this is emergency. You're going to stop and play 21 questions? What you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching. Don't play, Jesus. Come on, don't act like you ain't never been there before. Don't act like you ain't never cried out to Jesus and said, Jesus, this is an emergency. This bill is due on the fifth. Jesus, this is an emergency. I need you to show up right now. And he just Taking his time. Asking random questions. Who touched me? Oh, we'll wait. He waits. He waits. See, you read the Bible and you go straight to the end. Imagine being Jairus. Your baby girl is dying. And Jesus is waiting to see who touched him. Wait. He waits. 
understand for her to be in public to touch a rabbi, she is breaking the law. The unclean is not supposed to touch the clean. How long did it even take her to muster up the courage to say it was me? Yet Jesus waited while Jairus is watching. Finally, sheepishly, she says it was me. She probably thought she was going to be stoned. But she had to get a new revelation just like somebody's got to get tonight. That you can come to Jesus with all of your junk. He can handle the thing that you've been dealing with. He can handle your issues. He's not intimidated by your issues. In fact, he came to reverse the order. It used to be when the unclean would touch the clean, it would contaminate the clean. But Jesus says, you don't understand the power of who I am. When you come to me with your unclean, the power of my righteousness, the power of my blood, oh, what's on me is going to get on the inside of you. And when you're unclean, you get clean. Hallelujah. So she comes and he takes his time and he just starts talking to her. He says, daughter, come here, girl. Girl, you ain't going to get stoned. Chill out. Come here. And just takes his time and talks to her while Jairus is waiting. And the Bible says that she told him the whole truth. Another version says she told him her whole story. She <laughs> told him her whole story. She. Some of y'all missed that. Uh, ladies, I love you. But have you ever had a lady tell you her whole story? Yo, don't be in a hurry, okay? Have a dude tell you his whole story. He'd be like, I'm good. But when a lady tells you her whole story, get you a comfortable seat. How long was this conversation? I can see the steam coming off of Jarvis's forehead like, are you serious? Girl, get your miracle and go. My daughter is dying. Peter, you always run in your mouth. This would be a good time to tell your boy to hurry up. Isn't that frustrating? When God makes you wait. And you told him it was an emergency. Not only did he have to wait, he had to watch her get her miracle. Y'all don't like to be real. If it's not annoying enough to wait on your miracle, what do you do when while you're waiting on your miracle, God makes you watch somebody else get that? And you got to sit there with that fake church smile like, oh, you got healed. 
Hallelujah. Can we go now? Oh yeah, I'm going to come right for you. Because it's real. What do you do when God makes you watch a miracle while you're waiting on your miracle? When God makes you watch somebody's business explode during the pandemic. They got a new car during the pandemic. Yours got taken away. What do you do when God makes you watch somebody get their healing? And you've been waiting for him to heal you. What do you do when God makes you watch somebody post pictures of their baby on Instagram and Facebook and you've been waiting for years to have a child? What do you do when God makes you watch person after person walk down the aisle and you've been keeping yourself pure and waiting and you've been a prize man and you watching some people going, God, she got a husband. <laughs> you playing now. She got a husband. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? God makes you watch a miracle. Are you waiting on your miracle? Because hear me, I found, don't miss this, that God will often make you watch a miracle while you are waiting on your miracle. And it's not to discourage you. It's actually to encourage you is to let you know that the same God that did it for them, the same God that opened up the door for them, the same God that blessed them, come on, he is no respecter of persons. Don't you start hating on anybody's miracle. You ought to do whatever you got to do to start praising God because if he did it for them, oh, he can do it for me. Hallelujah. The same God the same one. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. I'm so glad you shouted at that. I'm sorry. I set you up for that shout. Just real soft. Hold on. I, I set you up for that shout. I'm sorry. I'm a preacher. No, because I want you to think. Because we say that a lot, don't we? If God did it for me, he'll do it for you too. And it's true. But I think there's an erroneous ideology we've attached to that. I think when we say, if God did it for me, he'll do it for you too. We think that means he'll do it in the same way. So God blessed you with a house. <laughs> he gonna bless me with a house in the same neighborhood. And with the same square footage, and I'm going to measure Jesus, so keep it even. <laughs> no. He will do it for you. But hear me. What if it's not in the same way? What 
if it's not, this is why you've got to stop comparing yourself to other people and on posts that you see on social media because he will do it for you. But what if it's not the same way? Some of us are sad about things that God never promised you. He'll do it for you too. But it won't be in the same way. Because watch this. Jairus and this woman both wanted the same thing. They wanted healing. Jairus didn't get a healing. Jairus got a resurrection. Which sounds awesome. Don't shout too soon again. Because the prerequisite for resurrection. Is death. So can you imagine? Can you imagine? While he's waiting on his miracle. And watching her get hers. Fully cognizant of the fact that time is running out. That's when he feels the tap on his shoulder. When he turns around, he can already see it on their face. His friends have come from the house. He said, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your baby girl is dead. It's over. And when I read that, I'm telling you, I felt Jairus' pain. I felt it. To wait on your miracle, watch somebody else get theirs, and then have somebody tell you, your baby girl is dead. But that's what I also found out, that Jairus has horrible friends. Terrible friends. Hashtag the worst friends in the world. Not because they told him the news that his daughter was dead. That was the reality. It's the commentary they added to the reality. They said, and I'm quoting the text, Jairus, why bother the teacher anymore? Your daughter's dead. Jairus, why bother the teacher anymore? Your daughter, I have to use his voice because they annoy me. Jairus. Why bother the teacher anymore? Your daughter's dead. In essence, they're saying, Jairus, this is the time to quit. Jairus, this is the time to throw in the towel. Jairus, this is the time to quit. Jairus, this is the time to just walk away. How are you going to tell me to quit? This is not your daughter. Be careful for people in your life that are telling you to walk away from a dream and walk away from a word that you know that God spoke over your life. Don't you dare let people put a period where God wants to put a Mama, don't you tell me to quit. This ain't your daughter. Not only that, they said, don't bother the teacher anymore. You don't have an awareness of his authority because he's more than a teacher. He's a healer. He's a way maker. He's a provider. He's a door opener. As a matter of fact, he's the resurrection and the life. So even death can't stop. Somebody give him some praise in this place tonight if you know who he is. Oh, come on and open up your mouth and give him some praise. Oh, yeah. 
a trial, a pandemic make you give up on the word that you know God gave you? You had a purpose before this pandemic. Don't you walk away from a dream. Don't you walk away from a word that you know God gave you. He said, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. She's dead. He's more than a teacher. And finally, watch this real soft. That's when Jesus looks at Jairus. Only words he says to him. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Doesn't even address the negative comments, the negative word that they brought. He looks him right in the face and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. I don't know who that is for tonight, but do not be afraid. I know you're seeing some crazy things in 2020, but don't be afraid. Just believe. Can I use my imagination? I think Jairus was so dazed by the news of the death of his daughter, he didn't even want to move. He didn't even want to go to the house. Just like some of you, you've already given up. You've already retreated because of bad news that you've gotten. And you don't want to even have the energy to believe again. You didn't even want to come tonight. I think Jairus was so dazed, he didn't even want to move. But I think that's when Jesus took Jairus by the hand and said, Jairus, what did I tell you? Don't be afraid. Just but Jairus, come on, we can't stay here. It's not over till I say it's a come on, Jairus. Don't stay here at the place of bad news. Don't stay here at your Jairus, come on. We got to go see. This is the way it's supposed to be. See, when Jairus had hope, he was leading Jesus, saying, follow me. But you're never supposed to be leading Jesus. Jesus has got to lead you, and you got to follow him, even when your heart's broken, even when it seems like it's over. Can you see him? He don't even want to go to the house, but he's following him. Jesus walks in. They already started the funeral. He goes, why y'all crying? Girl ain't dead. She's just asleep. And they laughed at him. He said, oh, you think that's funny? Oh, you think that's funny? Every one of y'all that laughed, I got a word for you. Actually, two words. Kids. Oh, come on. Somebody help me close this message tonight. Kids. Come on, kids. Somebody needs to tell anxiety in 2020 to get. Somebody needs to tell fear to get. Somebody needs to tell depression to get. Somebody needs to tell low self-esteem to get. Somebody needs to tell all your doubts to get. Somebody give God the best praise that you got in this place. Get out. Get out. Get out of my house. Get out of my generation. Get out of my children. Get out. Get out. Get out. And once all of them got out, then he went to that little girl and said, get up. Because some things will not get up until first some things get out. This, oh, I feel God's presence. This year has been about environment. This is not over. This is the setup for what's about to get up. 
But God said, before I bring the resurrection, the thing that's been dead, I've got to get some things out. And I don't want you to weep over what had to leave. It was necessary for the resurrection to occur. It's necessary. Had to get out. Hear me. Your God is an environmentalist. He's always been. All the way from Genesis. First the earth. Then the trees. First the water. Then the fish. First the sky. Then the stars. Because if the atmosphere is not conducive for the miracle, miracle won't come to pass. So many of us spend days, weeks, years weeping over what had to be removed, not realizing the whole thing was a setup for the miracle to get up and come to pass. Sometimes God will do you the courtesy and the favor of making some things get out. But sometimes, not only because you serve a God that has authority, he has given you authority. And sometimes you got to look at some things yourself and say, you get out. Those negative thoughts, tell them to get out. That thing that keeps dismissing what God wants to bring in your life. This is the year to tell it to get out. So that the dead thing can get up. I just want you right where you are just to bow your heads. I'm going to ask the worship team just to join me if they can. I sense God's presence. I sense this word was for somebody tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is life. Your word is light. Lord, I thank you that this year, as challenging as it is, help us to see the gift that it has brought. That things had to get out so that dead things could get up. Father, I pray for my brother, I pray for my sister who has been tolerating things that they need to speak to with authority to get out. Relationships that must end. Things that need to move, God. Addictions that need to be broken. Father, thank you that this is the year that we not only become aware of your authority, but Jesus, we take the authority that you have given us God, we will not tolerate the things that you are calling us to remove. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed in this place. If you'd be so honest to say, Pastor Robert, I know this word was for me. There's some things that need to get out so that some dead things can get up. And you know what that thing is. 
Would you just lift up your hand as a sign to say, I know what it is. And today, today, I'm taking authority. I'm taking authority. Hands are going up all over this place. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Just lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just lift it up. Come on, I want you just right where you are, just begin to fill this place with worship. Come on. It's about the environment. Would you just create an atmosphere of worship as they lead us? Come on, and you know what that thing is? I want you to begin to release it and worship tonight. Say, I'm giving it to you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Never lost. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. That you should not bow low. Jesus defeated dark. He's never lost. He has never lost. Battle. Come on, somebody just begin to open up your mouth and fill this place with worship tonight. Come on, we're taking a that you have all power, you have all authority. Jesus, we connect our faith to your authority. We take authority in Jesus' 
mighty name. I want to do one more thing with heads bowed, eyes closed all over this place tonight. If you're in this room and maybe you're watching online, you've never taken that first step, which is to say, Jesus, my life is yours. This year, as crazy as it has been, it has proven what many of us have built our lives on. Remember, it's not until the storm comes that you know what your foundation is. It's not until there's a shaking that you understand what you are living for, what you built your life on. So in this moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking around. Maybe you're watching online right now. You're about to log off. For some reason, you couldn't. I want you to stay watching right now. I want to give you an opportunity to say, you know what? I am tired of doing life on my own. I am tired of building my life on things that are sand. Tonight, I'm making the decision to build my life upon the rock that is Jesus surrender everything that I am to him. If you're here under the sound of my voice or watch online, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him. I want you just right where you are. Lift up your hand high enough, long enough to where I can see it saying tonight's the night. I'm giving him my life tonight. Tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. I see those hands. See those hands. Anybody else saying I'm giving him my life tonight. I'm surrendered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Here's what I want to do. If you lifted up your hand, I don't care if you're in the balcony or in the back. I just want you to do something. I think there's something powerful about leaving where you are and stepping into a new place. What you do in the natural is often indicative of what's happening in the supernatural. And I'm telling you, I'm going to ask when I count to three, just wherever you are, if you lifted up your hand to come to the front, because you're saying the old me is in my seat, but the new me is stepping into what God has for me. Come on, if you lifted up your hand or you should have, I want you to come. One, come on, this is your night. Two, come on, you're about to step into a new life. Three, I want you to come. I want you to come. Come on, come on. If you're watching online, I want you to just step in your living room. Step into a new place because that's what's happening in the spirit. That's what's happening in the supernatural. Say, I'm giving them my life tonight. Come on, come on. Come on. Is there a church in here that knows how to celebrate people who are saying, I'm giving Jesus my life. I can't do life on my own. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, church. I don't want you to stop clapping until people stop coming. Come on. say tonight tonight I know I know I gotta give him my life tonight I just want you to come thank you Jesus yeah 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 thank you Jesus thank you God 
Thank you, God. Anybody else? Anybody else? You need to know God is not mad at you. He is in love with you. Everything you've been through, he's been speaking to you. He's been waiting for this moment tonight for you to surrender. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of you at this altar, just real soft, just real soft, just with your hands lifted. I love the posture of lifting up your hands. If you're watching online, just lift up your hands. Why? This is the international sign of surrender. Just says, I give up. Salvation, just in its simplest form, is saying, God, you have authority over my life. I am not the ruler of my life. You are, and I give you the rightful place in my life. So with your hands lifted just right where you are, I'm going to give you the words. I want you to pray this prayer, but I want you to say it from your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I admit I cannot do life without you. I need you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you lived the life that I was supposed to live. You died the death that I was supposed to die. You died for my sin. So today, I receive the gift of salvation. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. From this moment forward, I'm walking with you. I submit, I surrender to your authority. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, if you meant what you prayed, would you give God some praise tonight? Oh, come on, you could do better than that. Would you give King Jesus some praise tonight? Come on, I dare you to tear the roof off this place on the third night and just give them the best praise that you got. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just before Bishop comes and, and concludes service, please nobody leave because Bishop is going to come and do the benediction benediction and just give us some more direction for tonight but those of you who prayed that prayer for the first time can I say welcome to the family welcome to the family hear me don't you let the enemy beat you up with shame and condemnation about your past you are a brand new creature and can I tell you you got a church this is a phenomenal church you got people that are going to come around you that are going to help you give you encouragement you say what do I do keep staying plugged in and connected to this church and then go get some of your crazy friends who you know need to be in here too and I just believe God is going to do incredible things that will blow your mind my man right here what's your name what's your name yeah you Jalen Jalen's an incredible call of God on your life man God's given you such influence on people. There's a reason why people are attracted to you. There's a reason why when you come in the room, everybody wants to know what you're saying, what you got to do. God's given you that favor, but it's not for you. 
is to reflect people to who Jesus is. That's why the enemy's trying to attack you. That's why stuff has come against you. There's an incredible call on your life, man. And I saw it as soon as you started walking up here. Literally, the word influencer came to my mind, man. That's what you are. You're an influencer. And I always know that. And I always know why the attack of the enemy is coming against you because he knows that you are an influencer. You're a leader. And when people look at you, you're going to say, let me tell you where to go and point them to who Jesus is, man. And you don't got to turn down your swag. You can be you and who God's called you to be. All of it because he uniquely gave you that gift to do it. You're incredible, man. Incredible. Well, I had to tell you that. I had to tell you that. If you know, know there's some things that need to get out, some of it is practical as a relationship. It's easy to come to an altar. Some of you need to make some decisions tonight for some things that need to get out. Some people that need to be deleted out of your phone because he has all authority, but he's also given you authority. Amen? Let's get some things out in 2020. So when we step into 21, come on, that's going to be the resurrection of every single thing that God has for us. Amen? God bless you, church. Bishop. If you receive the word of the Lord, give God a high hand praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting connected with Jesus Christ or getting reconnected. Things will just keep getting better. Shout us getting better already. Be, 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 be seated for just a minute, for just a minute. God spoke to me today about the transitional season that we're in. We're, we're walking right into the Feast of Tabernacles, the Day of Atonement, which is God's holiest feast of the year. And God gives us seven atonement blessings in Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. And I just want to share them with you quickly so you'll know what you're walking into. Number one, in Joel 2.23, promises a double portion of God's blessing. Everybody shout, I'm getting a double portion. God said, I'll give you the former and the latter rain in one month. That's double blessing in 2020, shout, I'm going to get my double blessing. Number two is financial overflow. Joel 2.24 says, your vats shall overflow with wine and oil. Wine here is a type of the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't let the devil get your joy. The oil here is a type of the anointing. God said, I'm going to release a fresh anointing during the Feast of Tabernacles that we're walking into right now. Number three is restoration of what you've lost. Verse 25, God said, I'll restore the years that the locusts and the canker worm have, get, have eaten up. Number four, an explosion of miracles. Verse 26, God said, he'll deal wondrously with you. The Hebrew word here is Pele, which means God will help you accomplish difficult and hard tasks. He'll work miracles, signs, and wonders in this season. Number five, 
the divine presence of Jesus. Verse 27 says, you shall know that I am in the midst of you. He's walking in the midst of the candlesticks right now. I said, Jesus is in the house. That's what you felt tugging and changing and moving in your soul. He's the healer. He's the cure of the poison. He's the healer. He's the vaccine that we need tonight. It's Jesus minus nothing, plus nothing. It's, it's still all about Jesus Christ. If you accepted him into your life for the first time, baby, you're going to be on a roller coaster ride. You need to buckle your seatbelt and get ready for the ride of your life. Number six, increased revelation and revival of our sons and daughters. Verse 28 says your sons and daughters are going to they're going to be filled with the spirit. God's going to pour out his spirit. The next greatest move of God will be a youth revival that comes across this whole nation. Keep praying for your kids, even if they're acting crazy today. Keep praying for your kids and your grandkids because there is a generational revival that's coming to young people. And then number seven, deliverance from everything that's been blocking you. Verse 32. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. And if you're just getting in this walk tonight, get used to calling on Jesus. If you'll call on Jesus, he'll answer prayer. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be intimidated. Everybody just shout Jesus. Jesus. Now, now in this season that, that we're in, it's Yom Kippur. It's, it's the day of atonement. God said, I'm releasing these seven. That's why I put them on the screen so you could take a picture. So they get in your spirit. Now, Exodus 23, 15, God said, during my feast, don't appear before me empty-handed. Now, thank you for your giving Wednesday night, Thursday night. But if you want to get a hold of this double portion, Okay, I, I want you to get double in your hands. Is there what Bishop I gave last night? I know. But if you want the double portion, here's, I didn't want to come before God empty handed tonight. So I got 50 in each hand. And, and I, I want to encourage everybody in the house. If you still believe he's a miracle worker, if you still believe in signs and wonders, if you still believe he's the same yesterday, tonight, and tomorrow, I want you to get a $100 seed in your hand. Put 50 in each hand if you can. I'll give you time to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus tonight, we don't want to come before your presence empty-handed. You've been so good. You... You've caused devils to get out of our house tonight. You, you've caused anger and bitterness and frustration. You're the only one that can heal the soul. And Father, we want to come right now and bring our offerings to you. And we claim these seven blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. 
If you believe the word of the Lord tonight, I want you to get your offering in your hand. If you can't do a hundred, do as close as you can. And let's come right now, sow our seed in this ground that's been tore up. I'll tell you what, this whole ground's tore up tonight. Father, bless the people as they bring their offerings tonight. I know this is your feast. You said three times a year, and we're walking right into the Feast of Tabernacles when you will do things that only God can do. We receive your word tonight, and everybody shout, things are getting better right now. God bless you as you bring your offerings tonight. Bring them cheerfully, and we're going to believe God for the greatest miracle in your life in this season. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. We love you. I pray protection and safety over you. In Jesus' name. Shout, it's going to get better as I'm walking by faith to this altar. My finances are going to get better. My money is going to get better. My joy is going to get better. Everything's going to get better. Thank you for this brand new season. Thank you for the changing of the seasons tonight. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah. 